0: Hello, everybody. My name is Ben Schluter, and welcome to the LSU football season wrap-up. I said I was going to do this yesterday, but I figured I might as well do it today, because I got a little bit better ideas. Uh, Like, I was just getting really deep into this, and then I realized, wait, I don't need to do that much for this. I could do, Um, instead of a game-by-game thing, which I was originally thinking of doing, I thought that was kind of unnecessary, and instead... It would be better off to do more of a season in review, looking at all of the games in general, looking at what happened, uh, my thoughts about like it, and then current thoughts moving forward from it. Um, so yeah, just a bunch of points that I want to address about the season, about how everything went. Yada, yada, yada. You'll understand. So um, let's talk about the expectations going in. Starting with that. Um, so you got the expectations. 2020 was a bit of a... It was a little bit of... Uh, it's kind of a rough season. Of course, you're coming off greatest team of all time, and then you deal with COVID turnover of the roster and of the coaching staff, and you're like, okay, well, this might be a little bit difficult, but, you know, hopefully we can get about eight or nine wins. And then... Ten game conference schedule, okay, seven or eight wins. would be pretty nice. So we went five and five. Oh, baby. That was not good. So we had to recalibrate our expectations at that point. We were like, oh, well, we really need some help. And maybe this season, you know, looking at the teams we were playing, pretty good old Miss team, uh, maybe, you know, eight and four. Seven and five at worst. We were dealing with some injury problems. I thought seven and five could happen. Uh, And if we got lucky, nine and three. You know, we got really lucky. So we ended up going six and seven. That's not good. That's never a good thing. Yeah. Um, And the two things I was mainly looking for uh, could we improve the defense? That was an absolute train wreck last year. And could we improve the run game? We improved the defense. Oh, did we improve the defense? The defense was on and off at points, but overall, I think it was a clear improvement from last year where it was common for them to give up 300 yards a game, 300, 400 yards, and this year, uh, they shut down Bama to like 24 points or something. It was insane. And yes, that was because we changed up the entire defensive scheme right before the game and they lost their center, but you know what? I don't care. We still did a good job. As for the run game... I mean, it wasn't terrible. Like, tight of his price still ran for 1,000 yards, but it wasn't anywhere near what I've seen in the past. Like, it was possibly the worst I've seen from LSU. It was good, but not great. And the expectations are so high here. And so... What we kind of saw this year was the final chapter and the eventual end of the Kocho saga, where he eventually turned into a pumpkin, a caricature of himself, back to what he was at Ole Miss, where he would yell and scream and be loud and then lose football games. And he'd say a bunch of crap and he'd lose. It was the sissy blue shirt comment and then getting embarrassed at the Rose Bowl, which is not the first time that Kojo has said something very bold and brash uh, and then proceeded to lose to UCLA. So, in fact, that's what got him to say it because a UCLA fan was talking to him about the USC game, uh, UCLA-USC 2013, uh, where he said they were going to lock the doors and, you know, not let him out, and then UCLA proceeded to kill them by like 14 or 21. It, it was bad. That didn't That didn't look great. So we came in ranked we were supposed to beat them and we didn't we looked like idiots out there we were getting pushed around and throughout the season you'd see all of this crap where it was like bad coaching decisions it was it was just bad and in the end it got to the point where it was clear we couldn't keep him on he was not going to take like he was not going to be able to be the head coach for the future and so following the Florida game it was announced that he was going to stay on as the head coach until the end of the season and then he'd be gone and so that's what happened and so then we got into this weird limbo situation of okay we technically have a head coach but we kind of don't you know like most teams do and it's not like he was getting he's it wasn't like okay this is your final season you're gonna retire no it's this is your final season you're getting canned. Which is again, it's weird, kind of added to the weirdness of the season. Another thing that kept happening throughout the season, injuries, 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 injuries everywhere you looked. From the quarterback, we lost Miles Brandon because of a freak fish. He was in, he was at his fishing camp and he tripped in the uh, wood because his flip flop got caught and then it injured his arm and he was out the rest of the season. Because that's what happens. Um, you had Derek Stingley, who was still battling that injury, thought he'd be back. He wasn't. Get Eli Ricks go down. You had every single, if you looked on the defense, by the end of the season, we were playing JV guys, basically. We were playing secondary, uh, we were playing like second, third string guys. We barely had any starters, save for like Damone Clark and a couple others. Guys had to step up out of nowhere. You also lost Keishon Boutte, who was the best receiver. He finished the season with more receiving yards than any other player. He only played in 6 games. He played in 6 games and he had more rec- receiving yards than any other player. That's ridiculous. How the heck does that happen? Because he was the only receiver we basically had. Which, oh baby, just an absolutely annoying thing. I mean, he also lost Andre Anthony, big leader on the team. uh, Like defensive end, defensive lineman. He went out for the season. I mean, we got to a point where we had our bye week and we normally do the scrimmage. We had to cancel the scrimmage because we didn't have enough players. How do you get to that point? We don't have enough players for a scrimmage. That's not the sign of a good football team. That is the sign of an incompetent football team. One that needs some help. Shouldn't be having that many injuries. There comes a point at which bad luck is not an excuse. You cannot just be continually having bad luck. No. And, uh, yeah. Offensively, the team was an utter nightmare, and I have made my points clear on this, but watching that team sometimes was a chore. Jake Peets, the new offensive coordinator, uh, just did not know how to scheme. Could not coach. Could not coach an offense that actually worked. It was pretty bad where Keishon Boutte was going to was basically the only thing we had on offense. Like he was your go-to guy, he's going to be open throw to him. You can't be doing that. That's unacceptable. No, you can't just be having one guy. This is not a G5 team. This is not like Marshall if it has Randy Moss. And even then Marshall didn't always throw to Randy Moss. Randy Moss didn't set a, a ton of receiving yardage records. Okay? Like, he set them for the conference, but they weren't national. They weren't insane. If Keyshawn Boutte played the whole season, he probably would have. Because we'd have just kept throwing to him because nobody can cover. Like, he's that good. But that's not great for an offense if you only have one guy. Yes, we had a bunch of other scrubs at... Re- I mean, I say scrubs, let for that. Not Keyshawn Boutet's at receiver. So, scrubs in comparison, because Keyshawn Boutte is a first-round pick. Like, Keyshawn Boutte is a first-round pick, top five. Top five pick. That's how good he looks. If he can stay healthy next year, he can win the bullet like, I'm, I'm not messing around. That's how good... He's so talented. So you have Jack Besh, freshman. He's second best receiver, and he's damn good. And the rest of them are okay-ish. They had drops problems. There were problems with drops everywhere. Max Johnson would throw good balls, and he'd just get dropped. And it's like, bro, what is the point? What is the point of this? Also, Max Johnson is a lefty, and they did not—and, like, Pete was not ready for that, clearly. Because sometimes, like, they'd roll him to both sides, and I'm like, you might not roll him to a certain specific side, you know? Like, I don't know, just don't have quarterbacks thrown across their body. Don't have QBs thrown across their body, and that happened all the time. They would also give him no protection. There was no run game. Yes, we ran all over Todd Grantham's defense because they didn't know how to stop counter. We spammed halfback counter at them like 20 times for 200 plus yards. You can't do that against most competent defenses, but Todd Grantham is an idiot who starts to get emotional and call defenses like the dumbest person ever. There is a reason why I'm going to miss him. Because he calls an all-out blitz whenever he feels like it. Like, up. Oh, Here's an all-out blitz. The hell even is this man? How do you not... We literally told them. We basically told them on our formations, we're going to run counter at you. Stop it. And they didn't. They just refused. That's not sustainable. That's not smart. That's not good. That's not scheming. It's not. It's going up against an idiot. The Mississippi State game. We got a stupid touchdown because our play was having... Two receivers cross right in front of each other. It had Besh, and I think it had Boutte, or like, someone else. The routes crossed at a certain point, and two defenders ran into each other, and the wrong guy caught it. So that thing wasn't intended for, I think Besh caught it, but it was intended for Boutte. Or it looked like that. Who the hell designed to play like that? You don't do that if you're competent. You also had the Arkansas game, in which, for some absolutely bonkers reason, Garrett Nussmeyer's dad comes in and says, "I want my son playing." So they bench Max Johnson after two series and have Nuss play the rest of the game, and he does an okay job. But Nuss wasn't really the answer. And like, you get to the point where we're doing a good drive against A and M, or no, Arkansas. It's Arkansas. We're driving. We're driving. We're driving. And Nuss is in a rhythm. They then decide to go Wildcat with Ty Davis-Price, and of course he fumbles the snap, and the ball goes right over to the Hogs. We had all this momentum. We were gonna kick a field goal at the very least, and we didn't. Because of the stupidest play call you could have made there. Dude, keep the quarterback that's hot under center, or in shotgun, or where are you gonna put him? Don't just decide, we should run Wildcat for no reason. Now, nah. The dude was in a rhythm. He's a freshman. Do you not understand how this works? Do the, do the good thing. Throw other teams off when you need to. You didn't need to. You were doing just fine. Jake Peets was a detriment to this team. We almost lost to ULM because of his ineptitude. What did we score, like 20 on him? Against McNeese State, we couldn't score as many points against McNeese as a Division 2 team. And I went into a whole-ass rant about that. We were worse than a D2 team on offense. If you look at the pure statistics, we had to keep Max Johnson in there far longer than we wanted to because we couldn't score. Against Auburn, we kept kicking field goals when we should have been scoring touchdowns. We kept getting red zone drives that would stall. All because of stupid play calling and an inability to run the football. Against UCLA, UCLA's defensive line dictated our run game, dictated our pass game, made it so that we couldn't do what we wanted. They made us do what they wanted. You're not going to win games that way. You are not going to win games that way. Max Johnson, he held on to the ball too long, yes, but he would also have one second to throw the ball. One and a half seconds, two seconds. They couldn't protect him for two and a half seconds. Bro, sometimes routes need to develop. And another thing, receivers couldn't always get separation. There were so many problems on offense. They were very noticeable. A lot of them developed after we lost our only superstar receiver. Jack Besh, not yet a superstar. He's just a star. He'll be a superstar this year. Believe me on that. He's going to be a superstar this year. He's working his way into it. Like, he's nearly there. He's shown some flashes, but he's also shown some parts where it's been like, you gotta get there. I think he's going to work on it. He's going to be there. It just takes a little bit of time. Keishon Boutte, he randomly became a superstar with one game where he went off for like 300 yards. It was the final game of the season against an, I mean, a defense that couldn't cover worth a damn. Like Ole Miss, you had no defense, and we just tore through you. Too easy. Anyway, defense. The defense got better. Why? Because they just kept playing. They played with heart, the defense was the best part of this team. That defense won us games. That defense kept us in games we should have never have been in. Towards the end of the season, it was our offense that lost us games. And it reminded me of old school Les Miles football where the offense just could not do its job. Where another team could score twenty points on us and we'd lose. Or fifteen or like sixteen points on us and we'd lose. And that's unacceptable. The defense stepped it up at points. I mean, they they did a good job of being bend but don't break against Mississippi State. Um, yes, Ole Miss happened. Yes, UCLA happened. But they did a damn good job of shutting down an Arkansas team that um, is kind of killing a lot of other teams. Now the Auburn game happened where Bo Nix became a god for a night. And I don't know why, but we just couldn't tackle him. Like, how? How is it that Bo Nix was just able to run all over the defense? How come y'all couldn't get a sack? Really? Not one? Really? You couldn't bring him down? Like, he's just going to continue to run around? Nobody wants to jump at him? Nobody wants to try? Guys, I I get it. But, like, sometimes you just got to go for it. Sometimes you just got to reach your hands out at his waist and just grab him. Do it. I don't care if he jukes you. You might get in position to trip him up. Hey, that's better than nothing. Try better. It didn't work. You let him go all Auburn Jesus on you, and you can't be doing that. Because Auburn Jesus magic is, say it with me now, reserved for the planes. Okay, fine. I just made that up. But yeah. The defense, the defense had so many injuries. Man, it was like every single week. Oh, God, who's injured? Oh, God, who's injured? Demon Clark didn't get injured. Demon Clark, probably one of the best, I'd say second best linebacker in the nation. N'Kobe Dean was better. Fight me. Statistics don't mean you're a better linebacker. Statistics are not indicative of better play. They're indicative of better stats. That's how statistics work. Not all... St- like... Nakobe Dean had fewer tackles. Okay? Because LSU couldn't do things very well on the tackling front because they kept getting broken. Because defensive backs did better. Oh my god, the tackles for loss. First of all... That final tackle for loss against uh Texas A&M. The sack. It's like... I mean, the guy was going down anyway. But even then, like, pressures. Do we have a staff for pressures? Because that's where I'd like to see it. I don't know, it's just... I thought N'Kobe Dean was, like, worthy of the buckus. But I thought that, uh, you know, Demon Clark was worthy of being a finalist. Think that's reasonable? Anyway. Um, like, he wasn't just great... uh I mean, hell, Micah Baskerville, he looked great. When the defense, towards the end of the season, the last few games of the season, that defense just was like, okay, we're going to do our jobs. We are going to fight. We're going to be ferocious. We're going to hit hard. You are going to remember us. They did a damn good job of that. They did not let teams beat them. There were some times where there were deep passes, but that happens to every defense. Unless you are randomly the 2021 Atlanta Falcons, who at this weird fact, they didn't allow a play of over 40 yards on the on them. Imagine having 10 losses. Um, yeah, but still. It happens. It happens to most defenses. You let up a big play. But towards the end of the season, they were bend but don't break. They made Bama look mortal with their J V squad. That was mostly backups. I'm trying to think. Of the 11 guys we put out there as starters, I think only two or three of them were uh, starters against UCLA. That's insane. What does that tell you? It tells you they played hard, they worked hard, and that there's a good foundation here. And again, how did we go 6-7? and seven? Number one, we had 33 players available in the bowl game that we never should have played. We never should have played that bowl game, and we did. Uh, number two, uh, yeah, we beat we got beat by Bama. And uh, we, we got beat by Kentucky and UCLA. And we had some bad losses. And the ULM game was a bad win. Like, you can have a bad win. That game was ugly as hell. How was... How in the hell did we let them stay that close? Dude, I didn't even go to that game because I was sick. And frankly, after the game, I didn't exactly feel much better. Like, that's how bad that game was. Um... Yeah. So overall, what do I have to say? I look back at this season, I see it as the most trying and difficult in the recent history of the program, so since like 2000. I, maybe the first year under Saban might have been tough, I wouldn't know I wasn't there for that. See, I wasn't alive for that regular season? It's true. Um, yeah, but, Oh on, okay, back to that. So, yes. You had a ton of stuff from the outside. Of course, you had the Title IX thing. You know, we still need to address that, but we'll see where that goes. That's a whole outside mess. Um, you have the Coach O stuff outside. You know, the rumors of him getting fired, and then the him getting fired thing. Um, you had injuries. Of course, We COVID didn't exactly go away. You still had to deal with that as a thing. On the outside, Um, had to deal with some eligibility stuff. John Emery not being able to play because of academic stuff. Uh, That wasn't fun. You know, we had to hire a new O-line coach in the middle of the summer because the old one, he, like, left or got fired because of some stuff that happened at Clemson. Of course, hiring a new offensive and defensive coordinator. Uh, So, you know that's great and not only that but offensive and defensive coordinators with very little experience they were inexperienced like jake pete has very little i don't think dorante jones had any it was one of the two didn't have any as an offensive coordinator i think Durante jones had but it had been a long time since he'd done it uh and jake mangum was an idiot as a like what the hell were you doing here bro you you were the passing game coordinator and you could not it was just... It was bad. Also, I forgot to mention, third down offense was absolutely atrocious, and we did not get better. Like, we did not get better on offense on third downs. I don't know what the hell it was, but, like, converting a third down, it was like Scott Linehan was still here calling it. Because that's what he did in 2020. And, yeah. How the heck is he an offensive analyst with Missouri? I guess because you can do whatever you want. But still, what else? Um... You still had that whole big thing. This is another thing. One other big thing that was hanging over our heads was 2019. We still had that hanging over our heads. It had been eight, when we started the season, it was like 18 months since we'd won that national title. That's not that long. And that was still hanging over us that we were that team with that head coach that still had some of those guys. With Derek Stingley and, of course, Cade York who was the starting kicker the whole year. I mean, to have a guy who's still there who knows what that was like. To then have seen 2020. That's just that's huge. Like having that hang over your head, you you're bound to have some problems when you know you're struggling. It's tough to keep your head up when this offensive scheme is really hurting you when you're constantly going down as a quarterback. When it's hard to run the ball. When you can't get open. When this, that, and the other thing. It was a tough season. They pulled through it. They had a non... They finished the regular season 6-6. Six and six. I don't know how the hell we did that. We upset Florida at home. We beat Texas A&M. Texas A&M has still never... As a member of the SEC, Texas A&M is yet to beat LSU in Tiger Stadium. Yes, Auburn finally got their first win in Tiger Stadium in the 21st century. But we protected home field against a and We got to a bowl game. Doesn't matter how many players played in it. We played it. We shouldn't have. We really shouldn't have. And now we're here. Now it is as of me recording and uploading this. It's January twenty third, twenty twenty two. Coach O is long gone. And in is Brian Kelly, the new head coach, a guy who I did not like at the start, and a guy who I like now. And I believe the hire that we made was one that has shocked me in a good way, not a bad way, because of who he is. And I think I think if he keeps doing the things that I'm looking at, the things that you know continue to happen, if this is the trend, we might have a solid foundation. Because, you know, he's not the guy I thought he was in a good way. He doesn't need to fake an accent to fit in. He doesn't need to pretend to like the same kind of music. We know where he's from. We know he's a guy from Boston. We know he's a guy who spent most of his time in the North or the Midwest. And now he's coming down to Baton Rouge for the first time as a coach. We understand that. We've seen this dance before. We've seen Nick Saban do it. He was an outsider. And, like, at first, Brian Kelly had a couple of missteps. But then he remembered and he realized what was important. Because, if he, and if he's going to embrace this culture, look, that's fine. Because here's the thing, he fits in. I want to get to this point that a lot of people have said. A lot of people have said that Coach was the perfect fit for LSU. In a way, I think that's fine. I mean, he's, you know, Cajun, born and raised in the state. This was his dream job, obviously. You hear him and you know where he's from. He can speak it. But... There is, of course, this other side to him. His motivation doesn't come really from actually coaching guys up. It comes from yelling at them. He doesn't really know the game of football as well as a lot of other guys. If he had to take over coaching, he probably couldn't do it. He relies so heavily on having good staff around him, and he doesn't know how to find it. Dave Aranda saved his ass. Let's be clear about this. Dave Aranda knew how to coach defense better than anybody I have seen at LSU in a while. The dude didn't take nonsense, and the dude knew how to set up a scheme. And once Coach O had to start finding guys, he couldn't find guys that could set up a scheme. He hired uh, Bo Polini without an interview, and then he decided to just, you know, ask Dave Veranda for one of his friends, and that kind of worked out, but it didn't? Like, it wasn't great. It wasn't the same thing as Dave Veranda. They didn't set the edge, I'll tell you that much. They were not doing Dave Veranda stuff. It was a guy who knew Dave Veranda. It was not a guy that was Dave Veranda. So you have problems with getting the guys around him. The dude, you say he's a good recruiter. He wasn't a great recruiter. You know who his best recruit was out of the class of 2019? A kicker. A kicker. The best recruit we got from that class was a kicker. And I know, hey, it's good to have a great kicker. But for God's sake, you need to do better than that. You should be having a wide receiver that's better than that. And you didn't. You used to be having like a linebacker. And you didn't. It ain't working for you when your best recruit is a kicker. And you build yourself on recruiting. When you say you know the state of Louisiana well, and yet the top three wide receivers in this state went to Bama. Not LSU. Kids don't grow up saying their dream school is Bama in this state. More likely than not, their dream school is LSU. It's been that way since the era of Kevin Falk, when he made it cool. How the heck do you not use that? I don't give a damn what Bama has. I don't give a damn about the money. I don't give a damn about the fact that you can win a national title there. At LSU, uh, first of all, you can win a national title. It's been proven. We've won three since the... In the BCS era, we've won three. That's the second most of any school. That's pretty good. Um... What else? You get to stay home. For some people, I get they want to leave. But for a lot of people, they want to stay home. They want to be close to their family, especially with how important family is in Louisiana. And Bama ain't that far away, but LSU is right here. It's right here. It's home. And there's so many opportunities you can have. You have the easiest sell in the world to a kid from Louisiana if they want to go to LSU. It, it shouldn't be that hard. And if you can't recruit your own backyard... I mean, that's that's literally what uh, the problem with Coach O was at Ole Miss. Was that he couldn't recruit his own backyard and his best uh, recruit was Michael Orr. And, like, that was it. He couldn't recruit Memphis. He said he wanted to lock down Memphis and he couldn't get it. It's the same problem. The dude is not as good a recruiter as it seems. Because he's getting out-recruited by better coaches. Yes, he got Joe Burrow here... But, you know, hey, sometimes you get your diamond in Sometimes you're good. Sometimes you're really good. You do get that, and I will give him credit for that. But the staff that won the 2019 championship and the people that won that were not necessarily the result of Coach O. And Coach O was a caricature of what an LSU football coach is. That's the issue. He was not what an LSU coach should be, which is a guy who actually cares about LSU and Louisiana. You know who that is? It's a guy like Nick Saban. Because he cares a lot. He's a dude from West Virginia who's found a ton of success at LSU and Alabama, who are not West Virginia. This is a dude that came to LSU from Michigan State. His first head coaching job was at Toledo. He played college football at Kent State. You think he knows the Deep South that well? No, but he did a damn good job because he got the guys around him and he respected it. That's the thing I've noticed about Brian Kelly. Culturally, he understands the state of Louisiana in the sense that you need to care about it. If you care about Louisiana and you want to play at LSU, come here. You know, you looked at all the guys transferring out. It's all the guys that didn't want to be here. It's all the guys that couldn't commit or wouldn't commit to him. It's all the guys that would not say, I am willing to play for you. And I am willing to put this university and being a member of LSU first. And hey, they can go. All those defensive backs can go because we can replace them with transfers. And that's what we've done. You look at the coaching hires he's made. Yes, he's brought in his own guys. He's also brought in guys with deep ties to the state of Louisiana. Because he knows he can't recruit as well as people from this state. As well as, I can't remember the new wide receivers coach because, you know, but he's from New Orleans. But Frank Wilson is the best hire we've made in possibly a while. Because Frank Wilson can recruit the hell out of this state, and specifically New Orleans. He's the dude that got us Leonard Fournette. That's like his big one, is that he got the number one recruit in the nation Uh, when Leonard Fournette was coming out of high school because he knows the state and that commitment to the state of Louisiana. The transfers that are coming in, a lot of them are guys that went out of state to play football. They're coming back. You've got uh, Noah Kane is a great example. He's from Louisiana. He's a running back. Uh, There's this defensive back from Arkansas. He's coming back to the state. A lot of these recruits that he's getting from the transfer portal are guys that he's just getting convinced you want to play at LSU? do you want to play at LSU? you can play at LSU if you want we got a roster spot for you and they can live their dreams now and that is such an important understanding that's so awesome to see and that's a great use of the transfer portal it's like hey here's the easiest selling point we got you can fulfill your childhood dream why not do it? And not only that, this guy seems to be like a no nonsense dude. He's not a bozo. Like, there's that great AL.com article, well, who's the next bozo LSU's gonna hire? They hired Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly doesn't seem like a bozo or a push. He doesn't seem like a bozo. He seems like a guy that cares. He may not be like the most, the strongest guy, but he's gonna tell you, look, I want you to care about LSU. You are LSU tigers. And yes, it's going to be difficult to do this, but maybe he can make this whole team like a lot more, you know, orient just get rid of the stupid stigmas we have. Get rid of them cuz they're annoying. The fact that like if the GPA can go up for the team and get them to care even a tiny bit, that's great. That's good cuz that's commitment. Cuz if you can win there, you're committed to everything. LSU makes it almost impossible for an athlete to fail. Let me tell you that. We had so many resources for for them that if you are failing, that is on you. You aren't trying. They're basically giving you it. It isn't hard. So, you got that, do it. Commit. I've said that's... And I've got like a lot of opinions on things, including the athletes. If they want to come here and they don't want to play school, that's fine. But you're out of school, why not do it? You're being given all these resources, why not do it? Why not care? Why not? It's not going to hurt you. It's really not going to take as much time out of your day as you think. Because you're being given this, utilize it. And then commit to the team. Commit more to the team. For Brian Kelly, I don't think Brian Kelly's the idiot type who's going to let all this stupid scandal crap happen. And this was a dude at Notre Dame, which is a school where a lot of scandal crap happens. And yes, this is the same dude who had that whole deal with the weather. But you know what? That was 10 years ago, and he hasn't had any incidences like that since. So that's good, because he's from the Midwest, And, uh, you know, he's learned. And I'm willing to forgive him for that. Just don't, don't be stupid, bro, and have people outside in 110 degree, you know, heat index stuff. Because if you do that, you are going to be looking more purple than your damn shirt. All right? You, you better know this. When a hurricane is hitting, you know what to do. Just, just please understand this stuff. I don't want to have to just go on it. I don't want to get annoyed at you, bro. You don't seem terrible, you seem like just a, a guy who's out of his element, who wants to succeed, and who believes in this program, which is awesome, and you seem like the kind of guy who wants to build a winning culture, which is something that I love, if if I've never told this before, I love winning cultures, and that's what I see here, so do I think the future is bright for LSU, with Brian Kelly, he keeps hiring the right guys around him, And if he keeps going with that commitment to LSU, commitment to Louisiana, commitment to the team, and no-nonsense crap, we're in really good hands. And I think we can win. My expectations are currently, next year, eight wins. I think we can do eight wins. I think we can do that. It's going to be a little bit, you know, first-year stuff. It's always a little bit weird. But if we can get eight wins in the regular season, go 8-4, and Hey, pull off a big upset win at home, that'd be nice. Maybe beat uh, beat Ole Miss at home, that'd be nice. Hey, you know, beat Florida on the road, beat FSU in the opener, that's where it all starts. And uh, I can handle that. If it takes a couple of years to get back to 10 wins a year, I can deal with it. I want winning culture. Because a winning culture... Leads to a winning team. That's where I'm going to leave this. So I hope you've enjoyed this little recap of the 2021 LSU season and my thoughts on the future as of right now. Um, the Saints recap for the season that's not going to come out until after the Super Bowl, by the way, uh, because I want to see everything that you know comes out and around and everything else. Um, college football is weird; doesn't have a Super Bowl thing. Although post-national championship is the easiest one, hence why I'm doing it now. So if you enjoyed this, why not share it with some other people? If you want to find me on Twitter, find me at capital B-E-N, capital S, capital L, capital A, capital S, P-O-R-T-S. Um, there will be an episode of... What is the next thing that I have to do? Okay, so new episode of the LSU Flying Tigers podcast is going to be out on Wednesday, um, talking about... Uh, the intro squad that happened on Friday, because, yes, there was content. We can talk about it. Please don't cancel this next meet. It's really getting annoying at this point. All right? I'm not allowed to have nice things, am I? Oh, well. Um, Yeah. Uh, there will be an episode of Goal to Go out on Thursday. Thursday will also be an episode of the LSU Basketball Ball Cap. There wasn't one today because I didn't watch the Tennessee game because I wanted to keep my sanity for a bit. But... Thursday after Wednesday night's game against Texas A&M. So be on the lookout for those. And until next time, I've been Ben Schluter. This has been a special presentation, I guess, of Gold Go. And until next time, bye bye.